Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast on YouTube. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today our guest will be Anne Chapetta, and believe me, you don't want to miss this. Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast on YouTube. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. I'm very happy to welcome today as our guest, Annie Chapetta. She's from the Hudson Valley of New York, an area that I've been near to in my life, and it's absolutely beautiful there. And mm-hmm. I want to welcome you, Annie, to our show. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, it's a, bit, it's a pleasure. Now, um, one of your... Um, I guess expressions is that you are making meaningful connections with others through writing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What you mean by that? Yes. Well, that, that came about as a, as a challenge actually. In one of my writing groups, we, um, we challenged each other to do a tagline. And uh, that's the one I came up with. Um, It was much longer than that at first. And it got shortened and shortened and shortened. And uh, believe it or not, it just kind of, made itself and uh so when i'm what i mean by it is making meaningful connections through my writing uh, through my poetry getting getting people to to read whether it's prose or poetry and and have a personal connection with it have it resonate with you um because words are important and words are meaningful and they and they have staying power and uh we can gather all kinds of uh, comfort from it. You know, we can feel inspired by it. Uh, so that's what that means. Okay, wonderful. You know, you know, I have something in common because I had read that you were an artist and then you get to transition more with the writing. Um, you were an acrylic artist, is that correct? Wow. So long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> I was a... Um, I was uh, a designer of acrylic furniture, like, you you know, the clear um, acrylic furniture, um, uh-huh. and little things that you put in your bathroom that are clear and all those things. Um, and uh, but I was doing the larger pieces, display cases, tables, things like oh. that. And uh, uh, I was doing that for a long time. And then I uh, I went out on maternity leave and uh, to have my first kid. And when I tried to come back and read the um, read the uh, the line drawings and the architectural sketches, I couldn't do it. And uh, something was wrong with my eyes. And that was when I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa. And uh, yeah, and that's when my life as a visual artist ended and I made the transition to um, to the written word, to the literary arts. Oh, then to make a transition, I'm sure that just wasn't an overnight thing. It seems to me like that would be a long process to to make that change. Yeah, it it took a long time, and it from beginning to end, I would say about ten years for me mm-hmm. to to make the adjustment. Uh, you know, the physical adjustments. You know, to be being a blind person, and then the psychological adjustment that took a lot longer. Uh, I had to I had to do you know um, occupational training, learn how to use a white cane, how to be safe 
travel, you know, not just for myself, but for my children too, you know, right. and, you know, I was having, I, I have two kids and during that time I'd learn how to take care of them and travel with them and do all that stuff being visually impaired. And then my education, uh, uh, I was lucky to have a great rehabilitation counselor and she pushed me to get my master's degree. So that's what I did. Wonderful. And what is your master's in? I have a master's in marriage and family therapy for my own college. Oh, wow. Now, have you been practicing in that field? I practiced in that field for eight and a half years as a counselor um, for the VA, as a readjustment counselor for veterans and their families. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. Well, certainly a group of folks that need um, a lot of adjustment. And these days, I know it, it's it's pretty rough. So I'm glad that you were able to do that to help these people. Yes, I feel very fortunate and gratified about the work I did with veterans and their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know, the, uh, speaking of main, making meaningful connections, wow, those were a lot of meaningful connections. And some of my poetry actually, um, not, not all of it, but I would say about a third of it is inspired by, by that uh, processing in some way the trauma in life and uh-huh. how the beauty in life, you know, can can help heal the trauma. So, um, yeah. yeah, there's it's 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 just that's you know just the suffering some of those veterans endured mm-hmm. um, and still endure is something yes. we should um, you know we should try to help them any way we can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm a big supporter of that. I'm, I'm an Air Force brat, you know, I was brought up in a military home and retired oh. father and a lot of family members in the military. And um, it's always been something near and dear to my heart. Of, um, it's, a, it's a different kind of lifestyle. Yes. And, yeah. And then throw more into it. He is. Well, great. I, I'm yeah. grateful to his service. Yeah. And I'm grateful to your service as well. And yours and your your family too, your dad, you know, yeah. it is a different kind of life. And mm-hmm. there, you know, I, th- I don't, I mean, it's one of those things that you don't know it unless you know it. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting because my father, we used to say he had the military determination. Like when mm-hmm. he used to uh, have to lose weight to keep his, you know, position in the military because he all of a sudden would just you know put that discipline in and he could get it off you know then of course after the physical he started putting it back on again but but you know but he had a, a certain discipline you know when he quit smoking he just quit never went back you know yeah, my husband's like that. Yeah, so I think it. I think it's something that's instilled in that type of a lifestyle, you know. So that's that's a good thing. And I have a lot of that determination as well. So I guess I'm I'm grateful that I picked up some of those habits. So it does you know, rub off. Yeah, I think the can-do attitude. Well, if you you've got a roadblock, then you find a way around it. You try, you know, and and you just make it work and. It sounds to me like with, you know, you're becoming blind and then say, okay, well, then I need to come up with a, another way of doing things. And you've got your education 
you work and now you're a writer and I mean you haven't been stopped from doing the things that are meaningful you know so that's wonderful thank you it's inspiring it really is I write a <laughs> book about you <laughs> are you writing a book about yourself you need to do your memoir <laughs> well I, I yeah you know um, I might actually go back to that at some point uh, you know I started out writing poetry it's my first love it it's what made the catharsis of going through my adjustment to blindness uh uh you know bearable mm -hmm. and and eventually i you know i'm i you know i began thriving and you know then i realized the poetry and the creative spirit is one of the things that grounded me mm -hmm. healed me and and kept me going and and gave me part of that you know you talk about that backbone about the eye you know someone says no no is not the answer for me. I don't like hearing no. Uh, we can't do that. That's always no. been, you know, my husband says, oh, no, here she goes. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, so the poetry came first. Then I wrote about my guide dogs because that was such an inspirational moment in my life and continues to be um, being independent um, and, and having a guide dog be your partner in independence is just a very uh, personally um, validating thing for me. So I wrote part of my memoir also has pieces about growing up visually impaired uh, because I always grew up with those really thick glasses on, you know, mm -hmm. and I could never see things. And I was always, you know, up against the edge of the book and the TV. I had to sit practically on top of the television. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had all the the classic signs of rp but they didn't know it back then so right. but you know when i was a kid i mean what did you know when you were a kid you just did it you just did what yeah. a kid does and you know you go along in life and sure right. there were barriers um there were times where it was really hard when i was a kid mm -hmm. uh i wanted to do things that other kids would do and i could just couldn't do them um right. like i couldn't play ball couldn't play mm -hmm. baseball or anything um i had no peripheral vision so it would like the ball would hit me in the head or I'd oh, miss and yeah. then <laughs> I mean I look back on it now and I laugh but it wasn't it was so humiliating when I was a kid really was oh a kid. I imagine so. yeah so but uh you know so I wrote about some of that in follow your dog a story of love and trust mm -hmm. then I went back to some poetry and and nonfiction essays uh in words of life which is uh the book that um that I gave you uh, and then, um, then I flipped totally the other direction and I have a collection of short stories called, uh, uh, a string of stories from the heart to the future. And, uh, that's being recorded on audible as we speak and it will be out oh. in a few months. Wonderful. So, yeah. So, and I am working on a novel and it's based on uh, a young girl coming of age story. Um, and, you know, she does wear glasses, but she's not significantly visually impaired. She'll, mm -hmm. She has other challenges in life. So, okay. Yeah. But uh, so that's what I'm working on. I try to oh. keep focus with my writing because, uh, it, it, like I said, it grounds me. Um, and it just gives me, a, you know, it just gives me so much more than... Um, 
that I even expect, you know, like each book gives me a gift. And I don't know what that gift's going to be until after the book's written and I hear from the people that read it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I'll share um, your poems um, you know, on this podcast, too, so people can hear. Um, I really liked um, hearing you recite, you know, hearing your voice and reciting the poems. Um, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with our audience. And when you do write, um, how do you do that? Do you do do you speak into your computer or what's your what's oh, your method? Oh, sure. Um, technology. <laughs> um, I love my technology. I I started using a computer that talked back to me back in 1993. Um, I use a a text-to-speech program called JAWS. It's called Job Access with Speech. Um, oh. Basically, what it does is uh, everything that I type into the keyboard, it talks back to me. So anything that's on the computer, um, because you know how computer language is all text. Yeah. And so it will it will be coded and pick up the code and and so I type everything in my computer. I know every computer keyboard command on God's green earth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, and and then it talks back to me. So um, I use Word, and uh, I have a laptop. Um, I uh, you know I'm able to do everything a sighted person is able to do, um, thanks to um, technology. Uh, you know I'm on my iPhone right now with you, and uh, it has um, uh, vo what's called voiceover. So um, so all I do is swipe and tap with my finger, and it tells me everything that's on the on the um, on the display. So okay, well, yeah, that's great. You know, yeah. I discovered done um, just kind of accidentally one day, well, not too long ago, that I could talk into my word program, and it would re it would type things up. And I thought, oh, this could be dangerous. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun when I get those free poems I get some once in a while one will hit me and I just go on and on and on I thought I've got to, when I get hit with one of those I need to open that up and start talking and see what happens the stream of consciousness yeah 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 right yeah you're right you know sometimes I'll have wake up from a dream and mm -hmm. I'll say oh this dream is is just I've got it and I just you know I turn on my voice memo on my phone and I'm half asleep and I'm talking, but I know if I don't do it then, mm -hmm. I'll lose it. You know, <laughs> an hour later I'll be like, hey, what yeah. Dream about? Yeah. The yeah, I wake up about three or four in the morning. It's like if something will come to me, a whole poem or uh, yeah. will come to me. I'm like, uh. <laughs> so all I have to do is move and I forget it. But I'm feeling better about remembering. <laughs> Good. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to, I'm going to keep on writing. I, I, you know, I want to get a, a book a year out. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's in, you know, people, when I say that people are like, wow, you know, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have been saving writing for over 20 years. I have hundreds mm -hmm. of poems. I have ideas for books. I have short stories. I have essay. I mean, I, I write every day and Good. You know, I, I keep writing every day because it it's what grounds me. It's mm -hmm. it's what makes mm -hmm. makes me um, 
feel like I'm a human being. Exactly. Uh, you know? Yeah. And once you have that that discipline too, it's a discipline of of writing every day and you miss some time for some reason, you know, unpredictable reason. Um, it's like, you're longing to get back to your friend. Hey, I need to get back to my friend. And writing. Oh yes. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a hard one to, to get to move away from. So. Yeah. It's a muscle just like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have, a, I actually wrote a poem about that. Um, it's called the writing muscle. Um, writing muscle. Yeah, uh, I have to send it to you. Um, it, so, so when I wrote my first poetry book, Upwelling, uh, instead of writing an introduction, I wrote a poem as an introduction, mm-hmm. and uh, I did that with Words of Life as well. I wrote an introductory poem about um, about uh, you know instead of writing one of those standard introductions, um, I felt oh why don't I write a poem instead of just you know, text and yeah. not many people. Yeah. Not many people got the hang of that. So mm-hmm. they were like, well, where's your intro? I'm like, well, it's the poem. And they go, Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. but I took a chance, you know, I yeah. took a chance. Hey, you know, you yeah. got to try new things and make, put your signature on it. I, I, one of my clients decided that they wanted to do that for their last book. And at first I was like, well, well, why not? You know, it's your book. It's your mm-hmm. book that way, and it came out rather nicely. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Independent publishing. Um, I guess I'd like to talk a little bit about how I got into that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it, it. You know, it, it ended up being a very a story, a successful story for me, but not at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of the reason was because of technology not being accessible to me. Because um, mm-hmm. way back when I was first th- even thinking about uh, doing a chapbook, um, this is like 2015, 2016, even even before then, um, none of these desktop publishing services uh, that you know do it yourself, you know uh, the DIY, um, they were not accessible to people who are visually impaired, so it didn't work with my software or anything. So that means I you know, either had to pay somebody, which you know I couldn't afford to pay, you know, a, a public, you know, and then, or have a publishing house pick me up, which that was just as impossible because, you know, rejection slips outweigh, except, you know, your acceptance uh, letters, you know, yeah. by 40 to one. So, um, so I, you know, I gave up at first. I did. I said, you know, this is too hard. I can't do this. And it really, it really upset me um, because I had some, I had this, this, you know, create this drive to, you know, I wanted to share my stuff. I wanted to have a book. I wanted to be able to go to the libraries and say, look, you know, I'll, you know, this is my book or whatever. And, um, and then it, it just, I just, I put it aside for a while. Um, and then, um, what happened was, you know, my mom got really sick and while she was, um, in, you know, in the, in the last three or four months of her life, she, she told me, she said, you know, she knew she was going to die and we knew, and she made me promise that I would publish my books. And, mm. and I said, okay. And that was a promise I made her and right mm. six months later, the book came out and it was almost like after she said that 
everything fell into place. Mm-hmm. I found um, these wonderful people who helped me prepare the book. They helped me, you know, put it up on Amazon. They helped me do the line editing. They were reasonably, reasonably priced. And, you know, so, you know, I was at my most desperate moments with the book and it suddenly just everything fell into place. And I, I truly believe that was just, um, I don't know if it's serendipity or fate or, uh, you know, an intervention, but that's what happened. It was like, once, once I told my, once I said to my mother, I will do it. It was almost like I, um, what's the word? It was a promise kept, you know, it a got promise. done and it was, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was a miracle to me. I was like, wow, I actually did this. And, uh, <laughs> I dedicated the book to her. And ever since then, you know, things have been going well for me. So, yeah. yeah. It was meant to be. Yes, it was. That was my mother always used to say, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And, you know, with my mother, I, it was finishing college was like my promise to her. And, and she had gotten sick while I was in my, she passed my last year of college. And mm-hmm. um, at that point, I was thinking about, you know, dropping out for a while to, to take care of her full time but I knew that it would have broken her heart if I had done that so mm-hmm. I went forward and so when I got my degree I felt like I was getting one for her too because she was such a, a cheerleader all the way yeah that's right yeah uh, those memories are driving forces yes for us to do things. Yeah. and every Absolutely. book says for Mary that's you know because that's how I honor her and her spirit. So, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. that's how that worked. And ever like I said, ever since ever since that point, ever since I got in touch with the right people for the independent publishing piece, it's been it's been a, it's a marvelous been a marvelous experience for me. It doesn't matter whether I can see or not, and that's that's important. That's that's really, you know, I don't think people really understand or appreciate how hard it is to select mm-hmm. a cover when you can't see it or, um, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, or have somebody act, find somebody who can accurately describe um, mm-hmm. the cover of what you want or, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, little bits and pieces of subtext and context of all this stuff. And um, I found the right people to help me. So it's, it's yeah. like I said, it's a gift. Yeah, it really is. I have a niece that um, she's done a couple of uh, commission pieces for me. She's done the book cover for an anthology I've got coming out. And I could, I just told her what I had in mind. And so she just went with it. And when she showed me what she was, you know, her rough sketches and that, I was blown away. I was yeah. just like, you read my mind. And now she's <laughs> working on another one for me and, you know, just give her the idea of what I'm looking for. And it's and then I I didn't you know wasn't gonna say anything. And finally, I said you know we talk about the soul and the butterfly representing the soul. And yeah. it's like, oh my goodness, she said that's the same way I feel. And so I'm waiting to see what she ends up with. But, oh, good, that's yeah. good. I think yeah, that's the other thing too is finding people who who um, can grab on and understand your your mm-hmm. level of creativity and and draw off that, and and then it becomes it's just so energizing. Um, it really is. And, um, the people that help me with my books, they're, 
there are a couple that live in Colorado. Um, they're called DLD Books. Uh, the husband is, his name is David Dworkin. He uh, is a published author, mostly science fiction, um, analog type of science fiction, you know. Um, he, he's, a, he's a fascinating man. And him and his wife, this is what they do. Um, they, they do book preparation services and help people like me become independently published and successful. Great. Uh, yeah. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would be able to be where I am today. Um, yeah. They're just great people. Um, you know, uh, they don't do any marketing. That's all up to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. that, that's, that's the, I guess the, the hardest part about being a, a independently published is, is the marketing piece. It's and marketing. yeah, yeah. A lot of pressure, um, a lot of time. A lot of yes. time. I, I think I think I spend more time on that than I do on the actual book preparation. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, well, you kind of have to start marketing almost before you get the book written. Um, but it's it's yeah a challenge. I haven't, I haven't sure. been able to accomplish that yet. Like I always <laughs> seem to be feel like I'm behind on that. Like oh, I should have done this six months ago, but. Six months ago, I wasn't ready, you know, like, exactly. yeah, I don't know how to shift that in my head, you know. Well, sometimes you start to write something and you're going to go one direction. And then next thing you know, you find you're, you found a different road you want to travel on. And so, it's, yeah. you know, and you start like a book that's going on one theme and then you find another project that that, you know, your poetry fits better in that book. And. I had one book I was starting and it's gone into three different books because it's not based out of that book anymore. So yeah, <laughs> things change. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, have you, have you ever done national, like uh, the national novel writing month or anything like that or large yeah. writing challenges? I have the NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Um, I'm pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> However, in April, that is National Poetry Month, and yes. I am very strong, very religious about writing a poem every single day of the month. And Good for at, you. By the time the month is over, I'm about dead, but I did it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I, I Usually, I do one or two a week during National Poetry Month. Um, um, and I belong to a, a, a writer's group called Behind Our Eyes, and um, we we give each other po poetry challenges on the email list that we belong to, and we oh. really help each other out. I mean, it's it's a, and it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so this month, we are, um, they actually asked me to, uh, to host the coordination of National Poetry Month for Behind Our Eyes. So mm -hmm. we're going to have um, a couple of, uh, uh, on Sunday evenings, we have like a focused guest or topic. Mm -hmm. And then during the week, we're going to have two or three different um, poets put out an email, have a little bit of like biographical thing about answering questions. And then they're going to share one of their favorite forms of poetry and share a poem and then and then share a prompt. And that's how we handle that. And it comes out, I wrote, I think, seven or eight poems that month that were really good. Oh, so looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I belong to a group called Living Poetry, and 
they are the like the largest poetry group in this part of North Carolina and um you know we've we're doing quite a bit for April um but they do they have an online um you know writing group that's been going on for a long time where it's it's not really where people sit and write but you share poetry to get feedback it's like a, a critique kind of group and that's been real helpful a lot yeah 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 behind her eyes does very similar things we um we have critique groups that break out and you know we limit it to six person per group and they meet at different times of the month mm -hmm. um then we have a um we have a a general critique like people who don't do it very often but just once in a while want to throw their mm -hmm. stuff in and and then be on the call to to help each other you know that we get everything compiled and then we meet and then they go through mm -hmm. piece by piece and people get their um get their critiques that way um yeah, yeah yes very helpful then we have a um called the re the the readers workshop where we we get people they practice reciting their poetry or short prose Mm -hmm. um with people who you know the the group listens and it's important because not many people who are visually impaired feel confident about reading their work out loud mm -hmm. uh, and so we're, we 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 uh facilitate that uh by allowing them to have a safe uh you know comfort comfort level um you know when they're when they're reading their work because because some of the people read from braille and uh you know so they need they need a place to practice and they need people to listen and and to mm -hmm. you know say well you know you could have done this line better or that might have been a little too slow or you rushed past this or you know they want a safe place to get that kind of impact and you know impact input so that when mm -hmm. they when they are asked you know to you know to recite their stuff they're more confident about it Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Annie, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, now that I'm on the, the, the reciting part uh, of, how, you know, how, how does someone like me um, get out and, and do presentations or recite their work, uh, since I'm not a Braille reader, because I lost my vision so late in life, it just, reading Braille never took with me i guess you could say um that I, I i rely on my technology uh to recite my work and what i do is i practice well listen and i have it like an earbud in my ear and um i have my computer set up and uh, so if i was going to do a presentation for instance in a library on my poetry reading i would have the reading set up on my you know as a word document i'd have the earbud in my ear and I would prompt myself before I spoke. Oh, um, so be, the poetry would be coming in, and I'd be. And it's it takes a lot of practice. It's kind sure. of like learning a script. Uh -huh. And um, you know, one of the downfalls of that is that I I can't do you know a lot of my poetry. I, you know, it's it's it, I have to prepare for it. You know, okay. there's no. Um, pick up a poem and just read from the page. That's the only disadvantage. Um, but I've taught myself to do that because that's, you know, that's that's how I um, how I do my my recitations. And uh, it's really helped me become a, a better performer. 
Um, and uh, a lot of my poetry uh, is, um, I have audio files on my website, um, which is annchapetta.com. And uh, I have a couple of videos up there. I have um, uh, my, one of my, I had did a poetry reading last September. Um, that um, that that's up there. If people want to um, people want to listen. Okay. Uh, so um, so, do you want me to go through my contact information, or? Well, I'm actually showing your screen now with nshapeta.com. Yep. And I see you're also on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. And, and I have a um, blog. And you have the dldbooks.com right. um, with the words of live poems and essays on it. Yes, yeah, so all my books are on DLD books. And then I also have a blog called Thought Wheel. Thought Wheel. And, okay. Mm -hmm, that should be at the bottom of the page. Should be a link at the bottom of the page for oh, my blog. Awesome. More writing from Anne. And then okay. you'll see. And uh, I have. Uh, I have about 500 followers on my on my blog, um, and you can sign up to get my um, my updates. I usually run my blog usually once or twice a month, uh, and I also have a I started an um, an IO group for my um, my uh, like a newsletter, and that's called Annie Shares News. Um, so if you wanted to Subscribe to the newsletter would be um, Annie Shares News plus subscribe at groups.io. And uh, okay. I put out a, a once a month, unless I have a special, um, something special going on. So. Okay. Wonderful. Lots of ways to do things. So lots of ways to communicate with people. Beautiful, That's beautiful. what they tell you. The experts say, well, you have to have all this so that no matter what somebody does, you know, they can find you. So like, okay, absolutely. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw you, you're a member of the nonfiction writers association, yeah. which I'm also yeah. a member. Yeah. That's um, how I got this, um, this interview with you it was from their call for, um, Call for interviews. You know that they they send out a, uh, an email, and mm -hmm. uh, that's how I got it. So, yeah, NFAA. I get a lot of great stuff from them. I'm really glad I'm a member. Uh, it's really helped, I think, advance um, just my communication with people mm -hmm. like you. I mean, we're all out there. Sometimes it feels like we're in a bubble. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I didn't even know I was going around um, in a list and emails quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, you found too. it. Nobody else has um, come to me in that direction. So, so I'm glad to know it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Annie, it's been a pleasure to have you on here today. I, I wish you lots and lots of great writing to continue and. I'll be following you to, to see what's going on. Great, Lisa. Thank you so much. I had a great time, and uh, it's always great to just meet other writers and, and share the uh, share the experience. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
stay tuned and hear the beautiful poetry of Anne Chapetta. Congo by Anne Chapetta. Do I know you? Skin and hair, exotic Darwinian molds. Have we met? Opposable thumbs, chest taut with sinew leathery plates. Who are you, really? Curtain eyes, jacket your soul. A place men cannot follow. Hunter's moon. Alpine paws, track prey accented air. Amber eyes assess the old and weak. Lupin aptitude interprets signals carried upon the wind. Canine strategy overcomes as jaws quiets heaving lungs. The hunt is merciful. Only the fit survive. Circular patterns shine in eyes imbued with untamed wisdom of wilderness and voices echoing from the ridge lines. Eerie timber, bittersweet, not so far from human cries heard in the distance. Keys Jagged, little, metal, alloy trinkets. Open tumblers, strung together on rings, tied to thongs or clipped to lanyards. Brass or silver-toned, taste like cold blood when clamped between lips and teeth while struggling to open the door after marathon shopping sprees. One might surmise keys are replaceable. After all, what is a locksmith for? Hand slips into pocket, fingering objects, touching the story, represented in physical sentiments. A pewter policeman's hat, a plastic starfish, a silver dog bone. If someone else found these keys, would they know? Would they understand the life, the symbolism, the unrevealed memories of a charm for a father or a mother gone, and the bone signifying the bond and love for a guide dog? Just trinkets inserted into slots and forever remembered with each turn the opening of a door into a heart. Thank you.